Hi, I'm Abby, a functional dietitian and gut health expert. Hi, I'm Jillian, a functional dietitian that specializes in women's health and hormones. And this is Your Body Has Your Back podcast. Together, we have over 20 years of experience supporting clients in healing their gut and hormone symptoms and guiding them from overwhelm to ease in their body. We help clients reconnect with their body and transform their lives using targeted nutrition, lifestyle, and supplement therapies. Finding optimal health in our modern chaotic world is more challenging than ever. And now it's our mission to provide you with the tools you need to strengthen your relationship with your body, to resolve your gut and hormone symptoms, and become your greatest health advocate. Join us for honest, inspired and offbeat conversations on health that will leave you feeling empowered to take action so that that you can trust your body has your back. Hello, everyone. We are so excited for our guest today because we are going to dive into a topic that both fascinates and horrifies most people. We're talking about parasites. And I'm sure you've seen the trending topic on social media, but it comes with a lot of misconceptions and myths. So we are going to debunk the myths and share all the creepy crawly details with our guest, Robin Foratan, who is an integrative functional dietitian and has lovingly gotten herself named the Parasite Queen. After her own health battle, Robin learned firsthand how to create the conditions that allow your body to heal itself, even if you've been told that your labs are normal. She's an expert health detective understanding what your body is trying to tell you through its language of symptoms and can help you chart a path towards going back to your normal, healthy self. Robin's deep understanding of a wide range of poorly understood health challenges, including IBS, gut infections, and parasites, fibromyalgia, fatigue, hidden infections, viruses, including tick-borne infections, environmental toxins, and mold-related toxicity. Plus, her expertise knowledge in how to support the body makes her an ideal expert to partner with on your healing journey. Robin, we are so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We truly could not, could not wait to have you on the podcast, and I'm sure we will get to this, but this this stemmed from a very alarming uh, TikTok video that Abby sent me about parasites that we are so excited to get your thoughts on. Oh my gosh, yes. But to kick things off, will you tell us a little bit about your own healing journey and kind of what brought you to the world of functional dietetics and how how you came to be the parasite queen? Well, it's it was it's been a long road to be honest. And all of almost all of the things that I specialize in are things that I had to go through firsthand. And you know, that's not everybody's journey, but it's uh, apparently it's been mine. So I was fine for a long time and I worked in food PR, which was really fun and you know, tried to convince the public that like all this stuff is healthy, functional foods. It was the nineties. And I picked up miscellaneous infections. So when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, that trip that I took to the Hamptons and I had a tick bite. And then, you know, oh yeah, there was that small period of time that I was having panic attacks really for no obvious reason, but it all went away. My body was strong. I was young, I was healthy and none of it mattered. So, you know, picked up infections, immune system was strong, and then I got a head concussion. And then 
everything that was sort of like hiding and well under control just came out in full force. So I had just an explosion of tick infection symptoms that sort of I thought that it was a concussion. So, you know, I kept on going to the neurologist and they kept on saying like, it was actually like a minor bump and it wasn't that bad and you should be okay and just give it time. But, you know, looking back on it, I had all of these Lyme infections, but the weird ones, things like my hands would fall asleep all the time. The physical therapist was like, well, you just need to move them. And I, and so I would go to physical therapy and therapy and like do all these strengthening exercises, but my hands would be falling asleep the more that I move them. It just like didn't really make sense. I had memory issues and like really was not functional for a couple of years. And so because I was so occupied with my memory and brain function and I couldn't work for a while and, and that kind of thing, I sort of ignored the fact that I lost a lot of weight really steadily without trying to. And it wasn't until I was like, buying new clothes. Like I, you know, I went to LA for like one of my relatives bar mitzvahs or something. And I put on my favorite skirt that I hadn't put on in a long time. And I put it on, it was like two sizes too big. And I was like, Oh, Whoa, when did that happen? But because, you know, you're a woman in your twenties and all of a sudden you're like super skinny without really doing anything. Part of me was like, this is probably not okay. And then the other part of me was like, this is amazing. I have to eat ice cream every day just to like maintain above 90 pounds. It was really like, it was extreme. So that was the parasite being activated and like eating all my nutrients. Um, had a lot of digestive issues, but whenever I went to like the gastro or, or whomever, I was, I mean, I was so bloated. And looking back on it, I had every symptom of SIBO. It should have been like a one, two, three. They should have been able to identify it immediately. I said, I woke up with a flat belly. As soon as I start eating, I have intense bloating. It gets worse throughout the day. It's very painful when I eat. And, you know, then in, by the next morning, I have a flat belly again. So from us, the three of us would have identified that in an instant, but this was a long time ago and it just wasn't, it just wasn't part of, you know, the discussion. And so I went to gastros and they saw a very thin, young, otherwise healthy woman who complained about stomach pain and bloating. And they gently suggested that maybe I had an eating disorder and everybody was bloated. Everybody bloated and bloating is normal. And I was kind of like really offended and was sort of like, okay, I like would love to eat more, but eating is really painful. And every time I eat anything, I, I'm like in terrible pain. So, you know, you just kind of like get onto this hamster wheel of realizing that no one is going to help you and you're going to have to figure it out. So ultimately I went to, um, I went to a nutrition conference, an integrative medicine conference and listened to a lecture on leaky gut syndrome and was like, oh my God, this is me. And so I ended up being able to see the doctor who did that lecture and basically described everything that was happening with me and all of my symptoms. And I went to her and she helped me somewhat and then referred me to a dietitian. But I was like, dietitians don't know how to do this. But had I listened to her, she would have sent me to my first integrative dietitian who later became one of my mentors. Um, but I didn't listen. And so I missed out. But <laughs> that set me on the path. And then every practitioner that I went to taught me a little bit more, 
helped me a little bit more. But really, ultimately, it was like, heal or heal thyself. And I worked with some really incredible practitioners and learned with really incredible practitioners who were way down the rabbit hole when no one else was. So I got this amazing exposure to like really, really fringy high level stuff that seemed so extreme at the time. But now the fringiest people are just catching up to that stuff that they were doing then. So I had this like incredible benefit of having exposure early on in my career, in my functional career, to things that, like I said, people are just catching on to them now. And parasites were part of it, stealth infections, the Lyme, the Bartonella, these infections that hang on for a long time, hide in the gut, hide in different parts of the body and the cells. And so, you know, it, it was just, it was unlucky and it was also lucky. But, you know, as many of us know, Sometimes that's the path for us when we get into the deep healing. The big job is healing ourselves, and it it takes us to to yeah some amazing places. But it's like it's a it's a grind for like a a good amount of it. And then it's so interesting that you're like, oh, had I just gotten connected with that like one person? It was Mary Beth Augustine. You probably you probably you know her. Oh, yeah. Mary Beth Augustine is a superstar, and that would have been. That would have been a good yeah. fit. <laughs> I mean, you were, that was the journey you were meant to take, but, and, and it yeah. like circled back, but like, it's just so interesting. Um, you know, Jilly and I have both shared our story, like on the podcast and knowing like we came into this and especially into where we are today, like so much because of those similar, you know, different, but similar stories. I feel like the, the big question in like the social media world that we're like seeing so much today of about parasites is like, does everyone have a parasite? And does everyone have to do a parasite cleanse? Because if you look on social media, that's pretty much what you're going to be told. So what is your take on that? It's kind of yes and no. So I think that there's this sort of term parasites, and we think of it only as gut worms. And that is flawed. So like Babesia is a tick-borne infection. It's technically a parasite, but it doesn't live in the gut so much. It lives in the blood. So we can have blood-borne parasites. We can have gut parasites. We can have parasites in our liver, in our eye. I mean, they get all over the place. So it really depends on like what kind of critter that you're talking about. Do we all have Helmuth worms? Yes. We all do. And it's most likely part of a normal, balanced, functioning microbiome. We're so still at the beginning of our understanding of what is in that deep, dark space. We just, you know, we don't really know exactly what's normal, what's abnormal, what's optimal. We're still learning. But there are these studies that were conducted on people with autoimmune where they purposely infected people with these beneficial helmets. (laughs) I'm never not going to stutter on that word. (laughs) Um, But infected them with these worms to reset the immune system and it worked. So we know that they're not all bad. It's just like the good microbes, the bad microbes. Do we all have bacteria in our gut? Yeah. Are they all bad? No. Do we all have yeast in our gut? Yeah. Are they all good? No, but some of them are good. So it's the, the categorization is, is the thing that gets flawed. And, you know, 
whenever you try to oversimplify things too much, you lose the truth. And that's kind of what's difficult sometimes in sharing these bits of knowledge with the public is that you want to make it easy to understand. But sometimes if you simplify it too much, you lose what's true. So yes, everybody has parasites. No, not all of them are bad. Should everybody do a little cleansy cleanse every so often? Yeah, I think they should. Especially if you're someone, you know, if you eat sushi, you're at risk. If you have pets, you are at risk. If you eat raw food, you're at risk. I mean, if you're walking on a sandy beach, you're at risk. So they're everywhere. But the thing to really keep in mind is making sure that your body and your gut is balanced and robust and healthy in the good microbes, low in the toxins that burden the system. So that, I mean, ultimately it's up to your gut microbes and your gut immune system to say, hey, no, you're not allowed to proliferate here. You have to go. And so it's not all about the killing, killing, killing. And it's certainly not all about the avoidance because that would be pretty impossible, but you need to have a stomach that secretes an appropriate amount of acid to kill whatever you ingest so that you're not so much at risk. You have to have a gallbladder that is pumping out bile to meet up with the beneficial bacteria to make, you know, like all these, all these parts of the digestive tract are there to protect us from what we're ingesting because parasites are not new. They've been here since the dawn of time. So, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like we can avoid them. It's not the plague. <laughs> it's not the plague. It's just a gut microbe. <laughs> I I appreciate you kind of having this part of the conversation and just like a more holistic conversation about parasites because I think, you know, there is so much nuance here and what's not being talked about is the context. Like, you know, you're talking about, you know, gut acidity and digestive secretions and, you know, the gallbladder bile, the gut immune system, or thinking about the nervous system. And I think if someone is dealing with a problematic, you know, parasitic infection, the context has to be considered in terms of treatment, right? Um, Otherwise, you could actually make someone's symptoms worse, ultimately, you know, in terms of setting them up for success. So I just appreciate that piece, because I think with social media, to Abby's point, it's like, the parasite craze and everyone, you know, needs to, you know, go on a parasite cleanse. And, and, you know, what you're saying is that, yeah, you know, most people probably can benefit from that, but you kind of have to, you know, look at the individual and the context and all of these different pieces. Yeah. It's about the balance. It's always about the balance. It always comes down to just sort of allowing the body to regulate in the way that it's meant to, and then supporting what should be normal function. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And for, you know, anyone that's like totally new to this parasite conversation, or they've just sort of seen what's out there on social media, if you think parasites, or if you're kind of evaluating a client, what are like the top symptoms that you're, you're thinking about in terms of, you know, ding, ding, ding parasites for you? Yeah. There's a lot of them. Digestive symptoms, obviously, especially if it's a situation, you know, you know, one of the questions that I like to ask my clients and to really understand as far as like people's symptomology and like how it started of did, did, did it just happen in a day where all of a sudden you have like digestive symptoms out of the blue or was it a slow build? And then all of a sudden you're just sort of like, oh, the system is 
wonky. So if it's like sudden onset, that's a big clue. If it starts with a food poisoning, if that's what you can track it back to, even if it's not immediately after, if it was like a few months later or something like that, that is a red flag. Skin rashes, hives. Hives was one of the things that, um, how it showed up for me, but it wasn't hives from the beginning. It was hives after a very stressful event. And so the integrative doctor was like, ah, it's stress, but we didn't know anything about mast cell activated. Like we didn't know about histamine things. Like we just didn't know, but I was covered in hives for six months every day. And it was like these pressure hives. So it was around my watch and my bra straps and my underwear and my socks, any, anywhere that there was pressure on my skin, I would make hives. And so like, if I went to a concert or something and I clapped, I would get hives on my hands from the pressure. And so it's this like idiopathic uticaria, which means hives for we don't know why. And I remember I went to the allergist and he was like, yeah, we don't know. And it can resolve spontaneously. Sometimes it lasts for 10 years. And I was like, oh my God. Then I found a different doctor and she gave me like a combination of like two standard process products and like the six months of hives resolved in like two days. It was really, it felt like magic. So, you know, when you find, when you find the process that, and it works, it really feels like magic. Anyway, so hives, mast cell activation is sort of like the diagnosis du jour. doesn't mean anything because it doesn't tell you the whys. It's just telling you what's happening, which is useful, but you have to find out the why. Parasites can give mast cells. Lots of food sensitivities or sort of random food allergies. Like all of a sudden, as an adult, you've got like 10 food allergies to foods that you have been eating and it's all been fine and, you know, just all at once. When a client comes to me and says like, I only have seven safe foods, then you know that's a parasitic act. That is parasites. Especially when it's like, food sensitivities that doesn't, that they don't have a rhyme or reason where it's sort of like, I'm okay with apples one week. And then the next week they give me like terrible hives, that kind of thing where it's like hard to pin down. And it's really just about a gut dysfunction, but food allergies is one itchy butthole. If your butthole itches, if your nose is, ex- is excessively itchy, like buttholes and nose itchiness. <laughs> especially around the full moon and the new moon, which sounds super weird and witchy, but it has to do with our serotonin ups and downs. And it has to do with the parasites own cycles. They're they're That's when they sort of like become more active around the new moon. They lay their eggs around your butthole and then they had those eggs hatch and then you have that cycle. So if you have symptoms that are cycling, that's often in some kind of infection, sometimes parasitic, sometimes not. What else? I made a little list because I feel like, oh, brain fog is a huge one. Skin rashes we talked about. Cravings for sweets and carbs are also like big and major and ravenous hunger at night. And so the way that it sounds sometimes is people who are like, I eat a nice big dinner. I hit the veggie category, the protein category. I have some, you know, 
some starches or, or not, whatever. But unless I eat either a sweet or a starch, I feel like I can't stop. And it's this feeling of relief when you finally give in to the food that the microbe is craving because they have the power to release these neurotransmitters that make you feel whatever they want you to feel, which is really kind of messed up. But there is really no big divider between the microbes and their neurotransmitters and the neurotransmitters that then affect your brain. It's all the same chemicals. So, you know, they can make us crave for the things that benefit them, even if it's a detriment to us or we're like not hungry at all. So this kind of like ravenous hunger, especially at night, big cravings for sweets and carbs that you just like cannot curb, food sensitivities, allergies. I think I hit them all and just sort of like, you know, diarrhea is a big one. Constipation is even a more common one uh, because- these guys want to live. They're like super cozy in your gut and they know if they constipate you, then there's a better chance that they'll stay. Iron levels that keep dropping. If you've got like iron deficiency anemia or B vitamin, like just chronically low B vitamins, it could be the microbes are either using your Bs or in the, uh, the way that you can get iron depleted is that there is there's a worm that has attached itself to the lining of your intestine and it's eat is drinking your blood. So <laughs> sweet dreams with that, with that one. <laughs> this is why we love Robin. <laughs> I know it's like such a wacky wild world. And the more you learn about it, the, the more it, it, the more crazy it sounds, but the more it actually makes sense based on what people are telling you. Because sometimes you have these people who are not at risk for like iron deficiency. Why are you so, why are you still anemic? And why can't you hold on to your iron? And it's because there's something that is depleting you. That's, it's not you, it's in there and it's depleting you. So these are, Probably, those are probably the most major signs. Did I forget anything that you guys know of? Oh, teeth grinding. Teeth grinding at night. Bruxism. That's a big one. When it comes to supporting gut health and hormones, balancing blood sugar is step number one. The foundations for supporting blood sugar balance that we discuss extensively on the podcast are an amazing place to start. But everyone is unique and really responds differently to nutrition and lifestyle changes. To get a clear sense of what's going on with your blood sugar and for understanding your unique response to nutrition and lifestyle strategies, we really love using Vary's Continuous Glucose Monitor. Vary pairs a CGM with an easy-to-use app that gives you the ability to understand how your nutrition and lifestyle habits are impacting your blood sugar. These insights can help you improve your digestion, hormone health, and metabolic health in a much more targeted way. If you're interested in testing out Very CGM and app to guide you with establishing supportive habits that improve your health, you can use code VSM-YBHYB or use the link in the show notes to enjoy $30 off your order. I feel like you hit on a lot of the major ones and I, I like that you pointed out the full moon and, and new moon because I do feel like that's always so telling with clients just in terms of, you know, 
a, a reported flare with, you know, a variety of symptoms. And then, you know, we kind of take a look and notice, okay, you know, it, it happened, you know, right before and, and during the, the full moon, like, let's keep monitoring this and okay, sure enough, there's this trend. Um, so I just, I think that piece is so fascinating. Yeah. I had this gentleman who he was so committed. He just wanted to lose weight. And he, he was like, he had so much self-blame that it was like, all this, he doesn't have willpower. But he, as soon as he said, like a couple times a month, I wake up in the night, I raid the cabinet and I eat all of the kids' food, like all of their cookies and snacks and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's interesting. Let's see when that happened. And we actually like looked on the calendar and tracked it back. And it, it came the, that intense desire to wake up in the night and eat everything happened twice a month around the new moon and around the full moon. And his body's response to that was he would get so inflamed that he couldn't walk down the stairs. And that was the part that was confusing to him because he thought it was a willpower issue. And then he was like, but why do I get so achy after? And it's because there, you know, there was a sort of like a big feeding frenzy and then the, the microbes do their metabolism and then you have all these toxins that you have to clear. And if you can't, it feels like crap. So fascinating. And I feel like too, like I love the point of like, you know, that we're looking for, like, we're not always looking for the zebra. So it's like when we like work with clients, it's like, okay, like, are you, you know, doing the balanced blood sugar? Are you doing like, you know, working on the circadian rhythm, like all the things that we've talked about in this, in this podcast. And then when someone's still doing all those things yet, continuing to have these like flares and symptoms and things. And it's like, okay, there's something else at play here. So it's like anyone, you know, listening, that's kind of like, wait, all of those things. It's like, all right, do we have the foundation? If the foundation's there and we've still got these like funky, interesting things, then it's like, okay, let's, you know, maybe, maybe we're looking at a parasite zebra. Like, <laughs> right, right. It, yeah. Cause you, ha- you do have to create the foundation first because blood sugar ups and downs can do that whole like desire to eat late at night. If you're like super strict with yourself all day and then it, you get into the evening, like sometimes your body knows that we didn't get enough food. So you're hungry. That's not what we're talking about. But like, the constant middle of the night, like getting out of bed in the middle of the night in a consistent way to get up and eat is not, that's not, that's not normal. (laughs) Oh yeah. Now you kind of mentioned a couple like areas of like, where do parasites come from? Like, I mean, I think everyone's like, well, I haven't traveled in like a third world country. So like, where would I have gotten a parasite? Like, what are some of those like telltale? No, you kind of said like sushi, things like that, but like, what's like the, the quick and dirty list? That, I mean, the, the biggest misconception is that you would have had to travel to a developing nation and like drink from a puddle on the floor to get a parasite. (laughs) It's just, you know, this is just not how it works. And I think it's such a blind spot in medicine for sure, but it's still a blind spot in, in integrative and functional medicine in many circles too. It's just not on everybody's radar in a way that it should be. So the biggest one, I mean, for New York City, it's sushi. I feel like pretty certain about that. It is sushi. And I always get these like fantastic videos that everybody sends me on Instagram. And I think somebody sent me yesterday or the day before, but it was like, they took a chunk of salmon, raw salmon, and they put it under a microscope and like found the little squiggly guy that was alive and moving around. Cause you know, some of them don't die when you freeze them and blah, blah. So 
salmon is a risky fish for raw. And the way that it was explained to me is that it's supposed to be in a super cold water environment. And because the waters have warmed, that allows more pathogens to thrive in the water. And then that means that there's more pathogens in the, in the fish. I don't know if this is true or not, but it makes sense that that, that would happen. So sushi is a huge contributor. And I just feel like we all love sushi so much. There is a safe way to eat sushi, by the way. But if you are like having big gut symptoms, just stop. Just stop eating sushi for now and just don't do it. <laughs> um, so that's a big one. Pets. We love our pets. I had a new client last week and he was like, are you going to make me get rid of my cat? And I'm like, no, no. Are you allergic to her? No. <laughs> you don't have to get rid of the pet. Just sort of understand that having a pet and like dealing with their poop, you're at risk. It's a potential vector. But just like everybody gives their dog like heartworm medicine, the heartworm medicine the, it's like ivermectin. It's for parasites. It covers for intestinal parasites. It's the same drug. It's basically heartworm medicine is pyrantal, which is Pinex and rhesus pinworm medicine, which is over the counter for humans. And then it's, you know, what was the other one I said? <laughs> Brain fog again. <laughs> what did I say? Was? So for like um, animals and like stool. Yeah. The ivermectin. Oh, ivermectin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, brain fog is real. It happens to all of us. I'm on a new protocol and the die off, the die off is there. But yeah. So just sort of be on top of like making sure that you're treating your pet for, cause they do preventative treatments for like heartworm and things like that. But that those same medicines also target worms and pathogens in, in their gut too. Um, so like if you get a new puppy and the new puppy has like giardia, like be on the lookout, maybe cycle yourself through some herbs because there are a lot of people pick up like a low grade giardia infection from their puppies with giardia because they're like cleaning up poop. So you have to be careful about things like that. Kids, sorry, are probably also another vector. Kids get like pinworms and stuff and that, that just flies through a family like rapid fire, but the adults might not feel it. The kids are sitting there scratching their tushies. And so you can see it in them and pediatricians will, will treat the whole family, but they'll, they won't always treat the parents. So parents just kind of like be on the lookout that if any of your kids get pinworm, just treat everybody, treat everyone. Um, so that's a big one. And then there's the wild cards. Like, could it be from raw salads? Yeah, yeah, it could. It could be from anywhere, anything raw. We, we don't really know. I, I think that there's a lot of potential. We could get it from water. Who knows? It, we could get it from swimming in lakes, probably. There's definitely people who've, who've symptoms have started after, you know, a lake excursion. We don't know all of it, but certainly sushi, certainly pets, certainly kids, certainly travel, but not always. And just like regular food poisoning, you know, it happens. And I, I think it's so helpful that you're just giving people things to think about and be aware of. And it's not that you're not going to travel, have kids or pets or, you know, eat, eat lettuce or sushi <laughs> ever in your life. And yeah. I think it's it's about the awareness, right? And I think that's where there's just like a disconnect, you know, that 
that I really see on social media is that it's fear mongering, right? And people are afraid and, you know, they're just missing the mark with this whole conversation. So I just, I love your approach to talking about this because I think, you know, this gives people the ability to just create that awareness, pay attention to symptoms and patterns, or if there was an exposure and things start to feel funky. And at the end of the day, too, in terms of, you know, creating a really healthy environment in your body that is resilient and supporting a strong immune system and digestion. Like these are, you know, the key things. And it's not about like living in fear um, of of parasites. It's like, you know, it would be the same thing as like living in fear of like air pollution and then never leaving the house. It's just, I mean, come on. You can't live in a bubble. And it would be sad to like never have raw oysters again. It's like one of my favorite foods. So you just have to shore up your own digestion and gut microbiome so that you can do those things. Just don't eat them in like shady restaurants. Like make sure you're at a good spot that's near the ocean. (laughs) Breach. (laughs) Yeah. And then maybe like take some antimicrobials after. (laughs) I I was just having this conversation with a client about sushi who I think saw something on social media. And um, I was like, look, don't eat at like a sushi bar where sushi's been, you know, sitting out under heating lamps and, you know, we have no idea where it's sourced from. Like, think about quality. Think about, you know, safety. Just use common sense at the end of the day with some of these things. So yeah. 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 No airport sushi people. I was just going to say that. The airport airport sushi, really, I'm just sort of like, you're about to get on a flight. Is this the gamble that you want to take? Because <laughs> airports get deliveries once a week. I used to certify. Oh, is that true? I used to certify restaurants, and they like they get deliveries once a week because they have to go through all the security and all the scanning. I think now they've like upped it to maybe twice a week, but you're still like that sushi that comes in once or twice a week, depending upon the airport. So you're like, nay on the sushi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on parasite testing. So what are the best ways um, to test for parasites and why are they so hard to test for? That's the, that's probably the trickiest part is testing for them and finding them because number one, you're only going to catch what was in that bowel movement. You, you, it's not, it's, we're, we just don't know if stool tests are actually representative of everything in the gut. And every test has its inherent strength and weakness. The issue is, is that, you know, you get food poisoning, it doesn't resolve, you go to your doctor and they order what's called an ONP, an OVA and parasite test. It's like looking for three or four things. It's wildly inaccurate and it's wildly insensitive. So it's like this waste of a test. But unfortunately, people are like, oh, well, I got tested for parasites and it it came back negative. So that, you know, dodge that bullet. But it's really like it's not true. And even the the functional medicine stool test that I really love and use very routinely they do not pick up parasites. They miss it all the time. Sometimes you can be lucky enough to see there's like little red flags that you can kind of read between the lines on those kinds of tests. But really, I mean, I can't think of one time that I found a worm parasite show up on a functional medicine test. I had one on mine. Did you? <laughs> I'm the only one I've ever seen of any client. 
That's a lucky find though. <laughs> it was terrifying. I was at IHS and my results popped up. That was the first year I met you, Robin. And I literally was like, I have a worm. And like the rest of the weekend, I was like, I'm sick to my stomach. <laughs> Confession, I had a worm. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, because they just, those tests are fantastic and they're so helpful. They find a lot of things that other tests don't find and they look for a lot of things that other tests don't look for, but they're not perfect and they don't always find things. There's a couple of tests that are out there that are better than most, but really, it, the reason why they're so difficult to detect is that parasites, specifically worms, when they die, they release these enzymes that dissolve their body. So you can't find a dead parasite. You can find a weakened one, an egg or a larva, but you'll never, you won't catch a dead one. So it's sort of like depends on how robust they are, because if they're robust, they're hanging out. They're not coming out. Oh, another symptom is pain or like a little bit of puffiness at the ileocecal valve specifically. And in the areas where your intestines make a big curve, not the small intestines, but the large intestines, there's like some big curves. There's like the sigmoid colon curve. There's like these curves. So it's sort of like the place where the small intestine meets the large intestine, that's called the ileocecal valve, for whoever doesn't know what that is. That is a hot spot for where parasites like to hang out. So if you have specifically like that location, and it's, it's sort of like in the kind of area of your appendix. So people are like, oh no, it's my appendix. If it's not your appendix, it might be your ileocecal valve. Anyway, so the testing is just not that accurate when it comes to parasites. And I think one of the big issues within every medicine, including integrative and functional medicine, is that some practitioners rely too heavily on the tests. And one of the things that I know that we all kind of agree on is, you know, you're treating the person and what they're telling you and the tests are there to just sort of like disprove or prove out what your suspicions are. We don't treat to the test. We treat to the person. And that's the thing to really always be mindful of if you're working with a practitioner or you are a practitioner is that like, if the testing is not showing what you really think is there, it, there's probably more, there's probably more there and it's not showing up on the test. And so it's good to know that the testing is not super reliable in this specific way. You know we are serious about high-quality supplements, and that includes probiotics. That's why we trust in BioCult every day, an expert-developed, research-backed probiotic supplement that contains 14 probiotic strains to support the diversity and abundance of the microbiome for overall health every day. Probiotics are especially a great everyday tool during cold and flu season, as our gut houses about 80% of our immune system. So what nourishes the gut nourishes our immune system. Make sure to use code YBHYB20 to enjoy 20% off the BioCult Everyday Probiotic. So interesting too, I feel like the connection of like you saying that at like the ileocecal valve is where like parasites hang or like parasites hanging in like the gallbladder or the bile ducts. And like this is so much of how like even like parasite infections can be like the reason why someone has recurring SIBO. But people, like if you go to a provider, they're like, oh, we're just going to treat the SIBO. Like I've had people come to me who have been on 10 rounds of antibiotics for SIBO 
And it's like Groundhog's Day every time they go. And you're like, we have to do something different because clearly that's not working. And there must be, you know, something else at play here. And it's like, is it a parasite infection that's creating this like perfect little environment for these like dynamics to happen? But it's like, we can't keep pressing the SIBO button because this poor person's just going to be on antibiotics for the rest of their life. So like such an interesting connection. And I feel like that kind of brings up this idea of, is it just about parasites or are there other factors like at play that allow for parasites to thrive? I think about like, is it toxins? Is it other infections? Is it emotions? Is it everything that I just mentioned? (laughs) (laughs) It's all of the above. So there's this idea that we've sort of like talked about probably, I would say the first time I heard this was a solid 15 years ago, maybe even a little longer now. But it's this idea, I call it the idea of the Russian nesting dolls, where like within the doll, there's another doll and hiding within that doll, there's another doll. And you can, and there's some truth to, to this. And, and by no means, this is not like, you know, a medical fact. This is medical hypothesis that we think is the way that it works. And we haven't, we haven't seen any evidence that disproves it. So this is sort of like our operating hypothesis is that, you know, sometimes the parasitic infection was because you ate some sushi and it took hold and you have a parasite. And these are the cases that clear up relatively easily. But sometimes you get these cases and you are just like treating people with parasites and they are pooping out the worms and pooping out the worms. And it feels like it's never going to end. And that's when you have to get into the gallbladder, as you said, and like you have to go into all of the nooks and crannies of the digestive tract, all the places where these types of pathogens like to hide. But at a certain point, you have to ask yourself other questions. And one of them is, why are these here? And why are they in such abundance? And there's this idea that they're not all bad and they're not all there to hurt you either. It's kind of like the parasites come in to eat infections. They eat infections and they eat toxins. And if you can see me on the screen, I'm kind of doing this little like (laughs) Pac-Man motion because that is how I express with my hands. And so you have this parasitic worm that comes in to help you out. And so it's going to eat the Lyme disease and it's going to eat the yeast and it's going to eat the mold and the mycotoxins and it's going to eat the viruses. And then it acts as a holding place for you so that it's protecting you from these things that are also in the environment. If there is a lot of toxin and virus and infection and more it's going to replicate. And so then you have this, this picture where instead of helping you, now there's too many, there's an overgrowth and an imbalance, and now it's affecting your own gut immune system. Now your gut immune system is being suppressed because there's too many of these and not enough of the good guys. So you kind of, you know, there's sometimes the parasite itself is the root cause. And other times it's just one of the contributing factors in the whole like spectrum of root causes. So mold and yeast and tick-borne illness form these kinds of complexes together. And so sometimes the parasite is the thing that's holding people back from completely healing from the tick-borne illness or the, 
Epstein-Barr virus or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes it's the mold. They're still being exposed to mold. And those parasites are actually trying to serve you by like gobbling up all of the mycotoxins. But, you know, that's, there's an ecosystem that's there and there's always some sort of innate wisdom that's there. So, and you have to honor that really, like it's not all wrong and it's not all bad. And, you know, there's also the, these sort of like lessons sometimes there's sometimes like life lessons to learn where I remember asking a woman and, you know, we had been training, we'd been working on parasites for a long time. It was just like a never ending stream of parasites and she was getting better, but we weren't getting to the end. It was kind of like, we've been doing this for a year. When does it end? And I remember having this really like this in-depth conversation with her of like, do you feel like there are people in your life, in your life that are, are taking advantage of you? Are you not setting boundaries? And we had this whole conversation of like, she had these sort of parasites, these quote parasites in her life that were depleting her, like actually making her feel depleted in her life force. And so she ended up going to a friend of hers who was a shaman and she did this like shaman journey. And after the shaman journey, she like pooped out a whole bunch of parasites. We didn't even have her any herbs at the time. So it's, there's so many nuances and so many pieces of this of like, why is your body holding onto this thing? Is it because of something on the physical plane? Is it something on the emotional plane? There's so much that we don't really understand. And and this is why it's like fun and trippy to go down like the woo. You know, I was scared in the beginning to tell people about parasites and I was kind of nervous to tell them about the whole full moon piece of it too. And now it's become like easy, easy to talk about and easy to say, like, you know, you don't think that you're going to be, you know, (laughs) either laughed at or like, you know, oh, that couldn't possibly be true. (laughs) And, and you were, you were in it early. You were truly were having these conversations. I feel like before, you know, anyone was really having them publicly in, in this, you know, space for sure. But now it's like the, you know, all the cool kids are doing it apparently on on social media, but just not in the way that, that we would like. (laughs) Yeah. I did this interview with Reader's Digest with this writer that I, that I work with from time to time. And she wanted to talk about like the TikTok trends um, having to do with parasites. And she was like, come on, tell me the papaya seed thing is not true. I was like, actually, that one is true. (laughs) Can you you give me another one? (laughs) I can confirm that one. (laughs) And it's it's sort of like, uh, it's a kitchen treatment. It's like a, what's the opposite of an old wives tale? It's like the opposite of an old wives tale. It's kitchen wisdom where, you know, in tropical places, that's something that they use. You eat the papaya seeds and you sort of do a little purge. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're like brave and you know what to expect because it's not gentle. (laughs) It's not a gentle treatment. It can be really aggressive, but you know, there's, there's research behind it, not a ton, but it exists. And it's something that certain cultures have been doing for a long, long time. So there's, there's wisdom in that too. And on, on the topic of TikTok trends, we wanted to ask you with all the craziness out there, what is kind of the, I mean, we, we definitely have some, we could throw in here if, if you need any ammunition, but we were curious kind of in terms of what you've seen, what is the craziest sort of TikTok, social media myth or, you know, related to parasites? You know, I, I'm not on TikTok, but 
I think the biggest myth is that this is not a problem. That to me, that's the biggest myth because there's just, there's so much denial in the medical field and there is such an effort to poo poo this as you know, real and effective and helpful. And that is really tragic because a lot of people get significantly better in ways that sometimes they don't even share with me what the problem is and the problem goes away. You know what I mean? Like I had this woman and the thing she said to me was, I, I can only eat seven foods. I have seven safe foods. And so I was like, you have parasites. And no one had told her that before. She had been through the gamut of regular medicine, integrative medicine, she'd been all over. Anyway, she had such inflammation in the whole area. So it didn't just affect her, her anus. It was that whole peritoneal tissue leading down to her vagina. The whole, her whole groin was so inflamed. And she never told me this until we were, we were done with our work. She was so inflamed that she couldn't have sex with her partner. And it had been like that for a long time. This is a young woman in her thirties. And that was something she never mentioned to me. And once we kind of got her through the critical mass of things and she stopped being so reactive to food, we could add a lot of foods back in. She went on, she had a master's degree. She could really like go and move forward in her life. And she said, you know, the, the greatest thing was that she could be intimate with her, her boyfriend again, you know? boyfriend, fiance, husband, I don't remember, but with her partner. And that, like I said, that was something that she didn't even tell me. So it's a shame for medical practitioners to be in denial of, of this very, very common core imbalance in people's guts when there's so much healing to be done. But back to the TikTok things, remind me, I don't know if I've seen so anything of the juice. I ones. sent one, I, I, I meant to send it to you, Robin, but I don't think I did, um, of this girl like soaking her feet in like a sink with like apple cider vinegar and like Epsom salt and like baking soda and was like, parasite, parasite, look at that parasite, look at this parasite. I'm like, that's like dead skin, girl. Like, excuse me. <laughs> like, that's, that is, that is, <laughs> It had like millions, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I'm pretty sure it had like millions of, of views and it was like, like how to parasite cleanse or, you know, walking through the whole process. And yeah, she literally had her feet in the sink with apple cider vinegar and baking soda. I don't know that that's going to cut it, but you know what the, the, I'll share this with you guys. The, so the other thing that people love to send me, and I also, I love to get it. So don't stop people who do this. I get like all of the weird, cool videos, but also like the horrifying ones. So a few years ago, I think this was in the Dominican Republic. There was this couple like doing their like romantic walk on the beach barefoot, but there was some sort, I think it was like hookworm. There was some sort of infestation in the sand and you, some, there are some worms that can bury through your foot skin. And they had like infection at the skin surface level. I haven't seen that so much in practice. I've, I've read about it. I think it's a different kind of parasite, but disgusting nonetheless. But that does like, I don't want to poo poo. I'll poo poo the things that are stupid, but I like hesitate to poo poo foot baths because like, if you can get them in through your skin, you can probably get them out through your skin. But I don't think that they show up like that. I think the times that I've been suspicious of things coming through the skin is like, you'll form a little like weird pimple and then something crazy comes out of the pimple. 
when you squeeze it. And if that's the case, I'm all for an Epsom salt bath, but a random foot soak is unlikely to pull out parasites. And it's not going to get the ones from your intestinal, your digestive tract. I mean, think about biology, guys. Yeah. We got <laughs> to go in there. And I'm like, and we can show you. I mean, I know, Robin, you have, because I've got my collection of like the things that we see come out the other side of either ourselves oh, yeah. or clients. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so so fun. Literally I, the most fun thing. <laughs> clients are like, should I send you a photo? I'm like, send me the photo. Yeah. I'm like, give Do me it. a heads up first. Just send me like a message to say like heads up. Exactly. So I'm not like, totally. I need the yeah. heads up. Because if I'm like looking through my phone and also eating something, I, I just want to know what I will be seeing. Because yeah. we can see things come out the other side that like, is it biofilms? Is it parasites? Like, you know, it's better out than in. Better out than in, always. Yeah. Oof. And the liver flukes are always like, oh, the liver flukes are the most disgusting to me. If it looks like a rolled up piece of tomato skin and you haven't had tomatoes in quite some time, that's a liver fluke. <laughs> People are going to leave this episode with an abundance of new new knowledge and and are, they're going to be dissecting their poop after today. <laughs> Not a requirement, but I won't dissuade you from doing it if you want to. I feel like when I first started like learning about parasites, I like was learn and especially like the kitchen medicine of it, learning like lime juice has like anti-parasitic like qualities to it. And I was like, oh my God, am I filled with parasites? Because like margaritas are like my absolute favorite thing. And I could like drink lime juice. I was like, oh God, I have so many parasites. I wonder like just like my like <laughs> draw to lime juice in my life. I was like... <laughs> I still love lime juice and I think I'm clear of parasites at this point. I love lime juice. It's the best. I refuse to believe that that is a sign. No, I made that up. So rumors start here. But it does have antiparasitic qualities. <laughs> I Well, that's the, that's the beauty of like all of these botanicals is that garlic does, clove does, oregano does. I didn't know about the lime juice. That's super interesting. Like some of the zests, the citrus zests do. There's like all of these categories of food. Pomegranate seeds do. You know, there, there's so many foods that are natural anti-parasitic. So, you know, kitchen medicine is where it's at. Yeah. Always love using our, our functional foods, therapeutic foods. So this was amazing. And I feel like we, we're going to end up needing to do like a part two on this because we're going to have, you know, so many, so many questions. But this was so awesome. And to kind of wrap things up, will you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they could potentially, you know, reach out or work with you or connect? Yeah. So my website is Nutrition by Robin. Robin is spelled with an I, N, R O B I N. And on Instagram, I am forutan.nutrition. Perfect. Well, our parasite queen, we thank you so much. And the name will just continue to live on because it is so true. <laughs> Any funky or weird things that you're like, huh, is this normal? Like, send it to Robin. Uh, <laughs> just her DMs with it. She loves it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for having me, guys. This is so much this fun. This is so fun. Thank you so much. So fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Your Body Has Your Back podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and make sure to share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think might benefit from listening. Make sure to follow the Your Body Has Your Back Instagram and to share your favorite episodes. 
and definitely tag us as you start to live out the Your Body Has Your Back lifestyle. We can't wait to see it. If you're looking for more support on your gut and hormone healing journey, connect with Abby and I over on Instagram. You can follow Abby at Above Health and you can follow me, Jillian, at Jillian Greaves RD. Thank you and see you in the next episode.